What if I told you that you can design and live the life that you want on your own terms? Would you do it? Would you take a leap into the unknown? Or would you settle for a life of limits? A life of safety but lacking true meaning? Zeph and Moses Blacksburg here, and I'm on a journey to help you ignite your inner passions, let go of your fears, and get more out of life. Will you join me and make this year your year of purpose? Welcome to the Year of Purpose podcast. What's going on, everybody? Zeph and Blacksburg here from the Year of Purpose podcast. And today I have a really cool guest. Now, as many of you might know, I am a rower and I love rowing. And the person that I'm about to reveal to you is getting ready to make an amazing journey. Now, I'm not gonna tell you what it is just yet. I'll let her say that to you. Uh, but just so you guys know, the audio quality on this one isn't 100% because she's actually uh, working out of her shop right now. They're working on finishing up her boat for her amazing journey that she's about to do. So I apologize in advance that there is some music and noises and things going on in the background, but I really hope that you stick with us for this special episode because uh, there's a really a true hero in this and I want you guys to listen in. So without further ado, Sonia Baumstein. What's up, Year of Purpose podcast listeners? Zephan Blacksburg here, and I'm joined by Sonia Baumstein, who's getting ready to do something truly amazing. Now, she's already rode 2,641 nautical miles across the Atlantic Ocean. She's biked from Mexico to Seattle. She's kayaked from Seattle to Alaska, and she was the first person to stand up paddleboard the Bering Strait. But I want to leave it to you to tell everybody here today what you are actually getting ready to do right now. Um, I'm... I've been prepping actually for the last two and a half years even uh, during that paddleboard of the Bering Strait to row the North Pacific Ocean. Um, it's taken so much time to get the sponsors on board, the right team constructed. There's been a lot of moves over the period of the last three years, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> 6,000 <awesome>. miles. <laughs> it, I guess a lot of people have asked you this. Are you ready? <laughs> oh, you never feel ready. I mean until you're taking the first stroke and there's nothing else you can do. Right. That's, it's almost impossible. You can fill any amount of time with an endless number of things to take care of. There's always something else you can do yeah. from the standpoint of personal preparation, mental pre preparation, relaxation. I haven't gotten much sleep in the past three months um, and not really one day off in the last four. So... Which is good That's preparation kind of. because you're going to be rowing yeah. pretty much nonstop for what, about 150 days, something like that? Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, it isn't, it isn't. You know, it's one of those things that people talk about and they say, you, do you start prepping for the row by um, doing the sleep cycles? No, you're going to experience that horrible <laughs> transition no matter what. Yeah. And I'd rather get the last few days of sleep in like a really comfortable bed. Makes um, sense. All day sleep. I'm going <laughs> to sleep all day. Well, so let me ask you this. How did all this get started? Like, where were you where you're just like, I'm going to go out there and do something really crazy and really awesome that people haven't done before? Because I feel like a lot of people have a moment in time where they're just like, this seems like a good idea, you know? Yeah, I think that um, one interesting thing about that that you brought up um, is people have these moments and it's almost like they don't speak them into reality. And it's a really huge part of the experience to say, 
okay, I've said this enough times, I'm going to go do it. Mm -hmm. And the more you can corral yourself into the idea of making whatever that thing is happen, starting a business, which I've done at the same time, um, rowing an ocean, taking your kids, uh, backpacking for two weeks, all of those things require a lot of exertion, a lot of time and a lot of planning. So it's really what you're willing to do. And um, I think that I, in particular, started with kind of this weird endurance background in rowing. So I'm really good at suffering. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's something that I do pretty well, generally. I can suffer mostly with a smile on most times. Um, hopefully a few of my expedition partners would say that. <laughs> and I had gotten my master's in nonprofit management, and I was teaching at the University of UCF. I'm sorry, University of Central Florida. UCF. And um, I think I had two or three separate jobs on top of it, social, doing social work and coaching two different elite programs, rowing. I didn't feel super fulfilled. There was that moment, I think, that people have. And um, I felt like there, this was a time and I had to go do something. And a friend mentioned to me, hey, have you heard about ocean rowing? And I said, no. <laughs> And that's kind of how it began. Um, and then after that, I was trying to engage other people in this idea of let's see what we can do. And everybody came from a different background. I had Oliver, my rowing partner, was a professional mountain biker. So he was really into the idea of doing a long distance bike trek. So that's kind of how the bike idea came up. And I had another friend who was supposed to do the row with me and didn't who had been a backcountry guide in Alaska kayaking, and he said, you should really check out the Inside Passage. So I did that. <laughs> um, and then after you get kind of kick-started uh, and figure out what your path is, then, I don't know, it's kind of an imagination, sky's the limit sort of thing. And I think that people maybe glamorize this stuff, but the amount of work that goes into being able to, to have the chance to row an ocean, much less the actual act of rowing an ocean, mm -hmm. is a massive undertaking. It, so it's really cool that you bring up the endurance rowing. So I actually, I started rowing last year. I never rowed in my life. Uh, there was an introductory class with our local boathouse, and I started last spring, and literally by the end of it, I was like getting ready to do my first head race, which for people listening in is a 5K race sometimes. And uh, so, like, I, I'm super stoked that our boathouse actually opens Saturday. Uh, so in just a couple oh, cool. days here, we're getting back on yeah. the water. Um, so let me ask you this. What seat did you row? Uh, it, were you usually in fours or eights, or what did you do? Um, I was mostly eights, the programs okay. I was in. Um, bow seat okay. or seven seat. I was always starboard. I tried the whole bi-sweptual thing, yeah. which... Let me just qualify that for anybody that doesn't know rowing. Um, sweep rowing instead of sculling. Sculling is two oars. Sweep rowing is one oar that you have both hands on. So um, if you can sweep both sides, you can do port and starboard rowing because it's two different positions. It's called bisweptual. Yep. So. And so I was actually, I'm a seven seat too. Uh, that's my favorite place. And I'm a starboard rower. I've, I've tried rowing on port and I can't do it. Um, I want to. I want to be able to. It just feels so goofy. Yeah. I mean, I can do it, but it's not nearly as clean looking as it is on the other side of the boat. 
It's not as satiating either. I don't know. There's just something about Starboard that really has me. Yeah, I'm on the same side as you. That's so, really funny. So the cool thing is like right after uh, I read an article about you, I saw this video somebody posted online about, is it like the Great Pacific Race or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So I saw that and I was like, I really want to do this. And then I was <laughs> like, wait a minute, this girl is like doing all of this. Like she's out there for days and days and months at a time doing this stuff. Um, so just for everybody listening, like this is why I was like, I need to talk to you because you're doing really cool stuff. Oh, that's rad. Yeah, um, actually, interestingly enough, Chris Martin is that race director and he's a friend of mine. Um, and I had a boat entered in that race last year. So I got four people in a boat and they collected scientific data crossing to Hawaii. So that was a, a cool, it was a kickoff year. And now I'm officially the first ocean rowing boat builder in, I guess it is, I can't say the Western Hemisphere because that includes Europe. There's four ocean rowing boat builders in the world, and there are other three are in the UK. So so you're building your own boat custom for this trip? This is a custom boat, yes, but I already have two other boats on order So for different crossings. One's out of race, one's in race for the Atlantic Challenge. If you've seen that, that's the first race that I did. Um, race is a really cool thing to enter and it's not necessarily, I think maybe some people think it's a sellout sort of thing, but this is something that's so foreign that you've never done before. And to have that kind of camaraderie before you launch and to just figure it out as you go, which is what sailing is, but you're doing it without a sail on a rowboat. Yeah. So tell <laughs> it's me a really little, cool thing. Like, what are you up against doing all this? I mean, clearly like the elements, but I have no experience. And for everyone else listening, you know, most people don't have this type of experience of like, you're crossing an ocean. This is not just like a little lake that you decided, you know, I'll be over there in five minutes. Like this is, you're on the open water. So what are you up against here? Um, as far as the physical or the mental or? Uh, both really. I think, um, your perspective changes a lot. It took a while. So that's also a transition period when you get out there. Uh, the mental for me is much more important. So it's being able to literally live only in the moment because your emotions change so rapidly with what's going on. So, um, Short-term memory, super important. Mm -hmm. uh, low expectations, incredibly important. And ability to problem solve and focus, focusing on just the challenge at hand is a really difficult thing to do, to say, okay, well, and the questions I get are typically that. This, this, and this, and this can happen. Oh my God, you could die. These are, this is the most often said thing. So it's been really weird talking about my potential death for the last two years, I'll tell you that. That's the most often asked question. But you have your potential of greatness too, right? Like, Well, yeah, and it's not even like a measure of scales, I don't think. I, it's um, You have things that you can prepare for, and then you prepare however you can before you go, but it doesn't mean all of those things are going to happen. So there's no reason to really focus on those things, in my opinion. And maybe that's just how um, there's been a lot of points getting up to this point that this project could have completely failed, as I'm sure any business owner could say, any expedition person could say. So um, it's that problem solving and saying, this is the problem I'm going to solve today. I'm going to get one yes today, whatever that yes is. So what is it inside of you that drives you to keep going? Because 
you know, it, I'm sure there's going to be ups and downs with this, right? I mean, we, we saw in Castaway, he eventually starts talking to a volleyball, right? So, like, <laughs> you know, you're away from people for a really long time. Do you uh, have any form of, like, communication with checking in with home? How does that all work? I definitely do. Um, but I do want to also qualify that by saying I've been surrounded by a lot of people doing a lot of intense things. <laughs> and... People are the largest known unknown factor that I deal with. The ocean, I get. I'm never going to really understand what's happening, but I know there's high seas, low seas, and uh, animal life, and freighters, you know? And most of those things are manageable, and I've got backup plans. I never know what humans are going to do. Right. So, or bears. <laughs> bears are also in that same category. So the ocean, to me, is more like home than anything else. Um but communications at sea, I have a, a satellite phone. So uh, I have a satellite phone sponsor, Apollo Communications. And people don't realize, but there's different plans for everything. So in order to send a picture, you have to have a data plan. And there's no way that I could possibly stream video unless I want to pay $1,000 yeah. for a one-minute video. Um, so I wish I could show you guys what it was like. But after I get back, the videos will be somewhere. Um I have something called a Delorme InReach, which is really cool. It's this little uh, mapper that does a cookie trail, and that will be up on my website. So every four hours, it'll drop a cookie. Uh, of course, I have backups to that, too, in case that device fails for any reason. Um, and it also allows me to do Facebook updates and Twitter updates. So 150 characters. They'll be very short. That's really cool, though. You at least get to tell people, hey, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and say, like, whoa, fish, that will be probably <laughs> the extent of it, or still really tired. Um, yeah, there's the science equipment I have on board. I've got $100,000 worth of science gear from Liquid Robotics, um, and that is also its own communication system built in. So it's got a back entrance to a website, and all of that information is going to be, again, on an open-source website for classrooms around the world to access and we'll have a scientist explaining what the data points coming in mean and then if any other scientists physical oceanographers or otherwise want to access that we will share that data so a lot of the the trips that you've done it sounds like there's been like a scientific background to it like there's some sort of researching and gathering information is that something that's really important to you when you do these i think it is it's something that i was actually talking to someone last night about um scientists can't be everywhere and it costs a lot of money. We as adventurers, as people going out every day and doing things, we have this ability to collect data, even going to work. Let's say you bike to work. That daily commute offers information. Everything plays into this uh, a plan that we can make around climate change. And it's a word, even being from Florida, that I will use. <laughs> uh, and adventures especially, it's a really cool thing because you've got a lot of people going out, climbing mountains, and doing really remote stuff that most scientists would never have access to but could absolutely use the data. And maybe it's an off-season or in a different part, and new things are getting discovered every day from these people tracking animals or collecting ocean samples, as I'm doing, um, 
I think... Zephan cutting in here real quick for just a second. While I was on the call with Sonia, she was actually uh, tethered with an internet connection from her phone just to try and Skype us because she's getting ready for this amazing adventure. So it cut out for just a second, uh, but then she did give me a call back. So here is uh, the rest of that interview. Sorry. Are we, are we good? Yeah, we're good now. <laughs> Um, I think that when it comes to discovery, people thought it ended in the 17th century with Columbus or even, you know, 1800s Amelia Earhart sort of stuff. And there's still new things happening every day. Our planet is constantly shifting around the effects that we're having, the natural effects of life's gravitational pull. So um, the idea never stop exploring is pretty important to me, I think. Yeah, no, that's really cool that... Uh, it's it's no longer just something for yourself, right? Like, yeah, you do have this one really big accomplishment that you get to do, but at the same time, you're also kind of making your mark on the world, both by showing other people what's possible, and you know, you're helping the science community. So it's really neat that you get to kind of give back while you're doing this at the same time. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of like an inspiration aspiration sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, so, I think I I often say if a tree falls in the forest. Because I get a lot of crap. I get a lot. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but Go. just think of the other word. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, I get a lot of crap from solo adventurers for, um, feel like they think I'm selling out by doing all of these school talks and presentations. But media is the only way to affect change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's how we make a difference today. Look at the power of all these videos we see online now. You know, people watch these videos, next thing you know, it's got a million views. And there's no way to get that message across as easily as in a video. Cat social media. Yeah. So you have this awesome saying that was on one of your videos. It says, every great discovery starts with adventure. And... That's that's pretty awesome. Where where did that start for you? Like where does where did that saying come from? Um, me, which is really weird to say. <laughs> I said that, uh, and it's something I believe. When I talk to schools, I talk a lot about just this idea of what exploration is, and everybody has a different definition. So when I talk to kids, as you can hear, my shop is going on in the background. <laughs> I say, what is define exploration for me and they tell me what it means um, to them in particular and then I talk about modern day explorers which aren't really talked about everybody looks at that as adventure um, unless you're doing a poles trip polar exploration for some reason is still looked at as exploration but outside of that everything else is just kind of this adventure qualification and the line between the, the two I don't really understand it's very blurry I think um, I talk about a guy, and for the life of me, I can't recall his name off the top of my head. But he was really into snow. He's alive right now. He's working in Siberia. Gosh, I wish I could remember his name. Um, and he led a bunch of polar trips just as a guide and then was leading a trip in Siberia and discovered the oldest baby woolly mammoth uh, wow. ever found, something like 2.8 billion years old. Uh, and that's a gateway. Adventure's a gateway drug, right. man. Like, <laughs> if he wasn't there leading that trip for people that had no idea what they were doing, um, what would have been the chances? And it's the same for everything, travel logs, etc. There's been 
There was a female writer from the New York Times that decided one day that she wanted to paddle the Niger River. Super odd. You don't often see women in that part of the world, especially alone or in a wooden dugout boat Mm -hmm. going down the Niger River. And I, I mean, obviously people have been doing that for centuries, but I think that maybe she might have been the first white woman on record to do that or American woman, I should say. And so she went down the river, was accepted into all these different communities, wrote vigorously about all the experiences she had, and ended up making a lot of new anthropological dis- uh, discoveries wow. after she was done that she didn't even know about. So these are the things. It's, again, the gateway drug. So it's the thrill of this adventure into the unknown with you know the potential for so many things to happen that we can't even foresee. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, I'm super excited to, I'm going to be tracking you on this journey to see how everything's going. I definitely want to stay tuned to all of this. Um, Really quick for me and for everybody listening, you know, how do you feel fulfilled in this journey? What, what does it really mean to you when, you know, you say I'm getting ready to do this adventure? Like, why is it so important? Well, God, (laughs) I mean, I, so like, I love being on the water and here's why. So when I started rowing, I found that it was the first time where I could really calm my mind down from everything going on outside of me. Like literally the second I get in the boat, they always say to keep your head in the boat. Obviously, you know, from balancing wise, you can't really turn your head to the side because it can start to tip the boat, but you really do. There's something that happens when you get into the boat and you start rowing and you just kind of like automatically get into the zone and I get that feeling every time and it's like I wish I could stay there forever so I don't know if maybe like there's something really special to you about rowing that you know makes you want to keep coming back and doing more and more I think it's more the ocean ocean rowing very depressing compared to lake rowing (laughs) I'll be quite honest I wish that I had never had a background in rowing before I did ocean rowing because you want that perfect stroke and you barely ever get it I mean if I get fully up the slide five times a day out of the 18 hours. It's kind of shocking. Wow. So, or is flying everywhere constantly sort of thing, black eyes, stuff like that. So uh, you have to have a lot of patience. I think that the coolest thing about ocean rowing rather than rowing for me is, and I switch up. You can see, I don't just do one thing because you get tired of it. I don't want to just be in that niche. Um, but I come back to the ocean constantly because it feels like a gift every time. There's so many competing forces. um, And to be able to get the right weather or have enough seamanship to control yourself and the boat in the weather to cross, deal with the plethora of problems that happen both before, during, and after... It feels like survival. Survival is a really, I want everyone to be able to go out into the woods or on an ocean and survive because you'll never feel more empowered as a person. Yeah. I mean, I think it brings us down to like our bare basics of being human. You know, you get to like really feel what it means to be here on this earth right now. And I think people swing polar ways. For me, it makes me the most positive and regimented person that I can be in my entire life because you've got this sphere of control that's very tiny. So you do things over and over again that are better for yourself, but also um, that make you happy, the small things that make you happy too. And 
while I've been with people that have been very negative, the positivity carries you through it or it can drive you into the ground. It's really hard. And I think that that's one leg up that I have on the whole idea of this being solo, which really doesn't freak me out for some reason. So what's one small thing that makes you really happy? I had uh, the other morning, I have three roommates and the other morning uh, I had had about four hours of sleep. I had a long day ahead of me. And literally as I wake up, my roommate texts me and is like, there is coffee waiting on the counter. And I'm like, yes, like this is what I need today. Like what's your little, like, I guess guilty pleasure. What, what makes you uh, really happy? On the ocean or in general? How about both? Okay. Uh, food on the ocean and in general, I can say that. Um, but in particular on the ocean, as far as environmental, like a super clear night, clear night sky, waves following the wind, wind about 22 knots, waves about seven feet, big moon, cruising speed it's beautiful then you're just surfing down waves that's like that's an ideal moment like I remember those four or five moments from the Atlantic they're oh. <laughs> um and then beyond that Cheez-Its <laughs> hey I love Cheez-Its <laughs> um and in life when you're able to meet some someone and have some sort of a lasting impact on them so I've had the uh good fortune of being able to do all of these amazing expeditions and talk to all of these people and be taken into a lot of people's homes in inclement weather or just to have food and to get a text message from people, especially when you're so focused on doing this one thing every day, all day with all of your energy and emotion to get a text message saying, Hey, I was just thinking about you from somebody I met two years ago that picked me up on a sailboat. That's a really cool thing to get. Or, I got a message from a girl that I did a talk to. Um, it was in Los Angeles. I did a presentation. And she said, still not using plastic water bottles. Like, these are really cool things. Yeah. This makes me happy. So. That's awesome. Well, last question before I let you go. What's next? What, what comes after this awesome adventure? <sighs> are you even thinking there yet? Or maybe, like, do you want to go take a vacation for a little while? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> It's funny. Everybody always wants to know the next one because now this one's like done as far as. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't even started yet. But... No, I know. That's the funny thing is you, when you talk about it for so long, like I just want to go. I wanted to go last year, but changes happen. You lost a partner going solo. Not. Um, there's going to be a few things. Uh, I'm going to be at an Airbnb in San Francisco. So very cool. They're sponsoring me for two and a half weeks, roughly after the row um, healing so I won't be able to move. And I usually use most of my time rowing to think about what I'm doing next, but uh, I think I'm going to go with my boyfriend to Southeast Asia in December and eat all of Vietnam, eat it all, <laughs> and uh, probably a circumnavigation. That's awesome. Um, yeah, if I finish doing this ocean row, I'll have 6,000 miles out of the way towards doing... Uh, self-powered circumnavigation of the world so I'd probably get done with that try to do a winter bike or a spring bike to get over to New York by May and then prep to row the North Atlantic over that's awesome and then get through Europe and Asia that's really cool Japan. well 
congratulations on everything you've accomplished, you know, up until this point. I know it feels like <laughs> it feels like it's done, but it hasn't even started yet, which is kind of cool because now you get to like enjoy it all over again, right? Yeah, and, uh, the first stroke is, hasn't happened yet, so that yeah. would be really cool. That's awesome. Well, you know, the best of luck to you in everything, you know, the weather cooperating with you, uh, everything else cooperating with you with, you know, getting all of your gear over there and, uh, of course, safe journeys as you make your way across. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll tweet you on the ocean. Awesome. And and what uh, is the best place for everyone to, like, keep track of this stuff? Do you have, like, a oh, website? Yeah. Um, so on Facebook, Sonia Baumstein. I'm Jewish. That's a long last name. It's okay. Uh, I'm B Jewish, A. Too. Oh. <laughs> Zephyr right. Moses Blacksburg. Who would have guessed? <laughs> Sonia Baumstein. <laughs> right. Um, B-A-U-M-S-T-E-I-N. You can find me on Facebook. And expeditionpacific.com is where you'll find all my tracking information and the links to get onto my Facebook and stuff like that. So most of my communication from the ocean is going to be on my Facebook page, Sonia Baumstein and Twitter, but that'll be populated with map on my website. Good deal. Well, hey, it was great talking to you. I'll let you get back to your work. I know that you've got to finish up making a boat over there. And uh, hopefully uh, I'll get to- <laughs> Do you want a quick shot of the boat? That would be awesome. Can we see it? Yeah, hold on. Let me turn this guy around or see if I can. Doot, doot, doot. I don't know if I can, but I'll hold you like this and see what I can show you. So, bow of the boat. Nice. This is Alex. <laughs> we did some oar fitting today, so it's still on. But um, the final coat of paint and primer goes on tonight. That's awesome. Oh, and how many oars do you have to bring with you for something like this? Oh, I'm going to bring four Sawyer oars. They're heavy, heavier duty. They're not hollow carbon, gotcha. which I like. Um, and they're made in America, which I also like. So four primaries and then one set of breakaway oars break down that fit in my aft cabin. Nice. Good deal. Well, hey, thanks for spending some time with me today. Uh, good luck with uh, everything that you're going on to do. This is really an awesome adventure, and I'm really excited for you. Thank you so much. Keep in touch. All right, have a good one. You've probably heard me talk about designing a life that you actually want to live. You might have even heard about my travels or experiences and thought to yourself, yeah, I do want to do that. Eventually, someday I'll probably do it. And my guess is that you've been thinking about doing it for a long time. So I want to tell you this. Stop thinking. Your time is right now. You don't need any more time. You don't need any more info. You don't need to keep putting it off and planning for the perfect time because the truth of the matter is this. You could be the person who sits around and thinks about living a better life, or you can be the person that decides that today is the day that you're going to actually do it and I want that for you. Because you already have what it takes. You've got a fire inside, even if you can't see it right now. It's lit, but you need to open yourself up to the possibilities and throw a couple logs into the flames. So join me and the Your Purpose tribe by subscribing to our YouTube channel and iTunes podcast. And if you really like us, please leave a review. This is Effin Moses Blacksburg, and I can't wait to see you again on the Year of Purpose podcast.